Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. Well, good morning, friends. Everybody doing okay? Good. Let me give a quick shout out. Like this right here, anybody who's a crafty kind of person, this is serious time. Carol, are you in here? Bless you, my sister. This is phenomenal. And so, you know, for those of you who have never been able to be a part of this ministry, this is an incredible reminder. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, yeah, bless you. Thanks. Uh, there's something I'm going to resource, uh, reference today in the sermon. that I, I put one of these in every other seat. And some of you are like, oh my goodness, is he going to read every one of those Bible verses today? I'm not. I'm not. So just take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. But uh, I'll reference this in a minute. And I, this is something I want you to take with you today based on what I really uh, want to talk to you about today. So let me kind of set this up to kind of get your mind going in the direction I, I want to encourage you to go this day. And I'm just curious, just, this is a little talk back time. Did any of you uh, at any point in your life either play baseball or softball? Anybody? Just raise your hand. So, so a majority of you. So you understand the game pretty much. You know how it works. Baseball is the one sport I played starting, you know, at a little league all the way up to my senior year in high school. I loved the game. I was not good enough to get a scholarship or go to college on it, but I had a blast. I loved playing the game of baseball. And so, as you won't shy, I just said baseball. I love baseball. Come on. What about football? <laughs> Sorry. I didn't play football. Could I just preach like that the whole day? Yeah. Open your Bibles. <laughs> no. Yeah, okay, just let's focus. Since I played baseball from Little League all the way to my senior year of high school, I was on some good teams and I was on some terrible teams. In Little League, uh, the, the organization I played through, the Southside Optimist Club, all, all the teams had Southside before the name of their team. I was, a, I was a player on the Southside Bears. Now, some of you in this room, you have no clue what I'm about to talk about, but we were really bad. We were bad, bad. And we hardly ever won a game. And so instead of being called the Southside Bears, people called us the Bad News Bears. Only the older people will remember that movie. Do any of you remember the movie? Let me see your hands. Okay. Terrible movie. Don't watch it. And now some of you will be Googling and watching on your phone while I preach. Uh, don't. So I have all these memories. When I finally get to high school, you know, I'm like, oh, man, this is, this is going to be awesome. We had a freshman team, a JV team, a varsity team. So my freshman year, my ninth grade year, occasionally we would get to practice with the varsity. And there was a player, he was a senior on our varsity high school team, a guy named Todd Demeter. And the brother was a player. I mean, everybody looked up to this guy. In fact, he became the Oklahoma State, you know, a baseball 
all-star player, whatever. He, he was drafted out of high school by the New York Yankees, okay? That's how good he was. And so all I remember being a, a freshman practicing with the varsity team out there at the baseball field is like, I so looked up to this guy. He, he, I almost idolized him and his life and his ability as an athlete. It really motivated me. It made me want to be that kind of a baseball player. Obviously, I never got to that place, but it motivated me. And so here's why I told you, worry, just to get your brain going, because maybe you, like me, can't even pronounce the word baseball on a Sunday morning. I want you to process this really simple question with me for a few minutes. Here, here's the question. Don't answer this out loud. I just want you to process this privately, but I want you to think about this for a a minute. Here's the question. What motivates you in your Christian journey? Think about it. What encourages you? What, what helps you to grow as a follower of Jesus Christ? Just, just think about that for just a moment this morning with me. This week, as I was processing that myself, I, I, I came up with some answers. I think maybe you have thought about just now as I've asked you what motivates you in your Christian journey. My guess is some of you might have just now thought, you know, listening to a really inspiring worship song motivates me as a believer. Did anybody, did anybody think that? I'm just curious. Yeah, some of you did. Some of you would say, what motivates me as a believer is finding a way where I can serve the Lord. Okay, that, that's good. Some of you would say, man, for me, it's just spending time studying God's Word. Absolutely, yes. I think some of you might have said, you know, when I can just listen to a really insightful sermon that helps you, that motivates you in your journey following Jesus. Some of you had said, no, man, I'm more relational. For me, you might have said, it's hanging out with brothers and sisters in Christ, other believers. The Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. For some of you, you're like, man, for me, I just need to get away from the craziness of life. You're like, for me, I'm motivated in my relationship with the Lord, just getting into the great outdoors, exploring nature, enjoying all that God has created, all those things. And even more, perhaps what you've been thinking about. Now hear me, those are all really good things. Really good things. But here's all I want you to do this morning, is to consider with me for a few minutes what I see a lot of in Scripture. When I read God's Word, if you will do the research, especially in the New Testament, what you're going to find is the disciples... And the apostles, listen to me, they were motivated and they were compelled, listen to me, by one thing. And that one thing was not a sermon and it was not a worship song. Look at what God's Word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. The Apostle Paul writes, for it is Christ's Love that compels us. For it is Christ's love that compels us. Because we are all convinced that, one, Jesus died for all, 
and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Throughout the New Testament, you'll see it is Christ's love that compels us. Well, what is that? We've got to be practical. What is that? Listen, it's the gospel. It's the gospel. And when I, listen, when I, we talked about this in the office this week. When I say the gospel, I'm not just talking about what happens at conversion. Because it's so much more. That is just the beginning. I want you to listen. That's just the beginning. When Paul and the first century church say it is Christ's love that compels us in everything we do, they're, they're talking about much more than, A, admit you're a sinner. They're talking about much more than believe in Jesus. They're talking about more than, C, confess that He is Lord. We, we love the ABCs of what it means to come to know Christ, but it's so much more. And Paul says in this text, church, because Jesus Christ died on the cross, look at what he said. We no longer live for ourselves. We no longer live for ourselves. And so, he says we die to self. Preview for next week. That's what I'm talking about. What does it mean to die to self in this world we live in? And he says, why do we die to self? So that we can live for Jesus. And so, here's what I see all around. I think many of you in this room will agree with me. Some of you, just like me, you see this happening every single day in our community. I believe that much of the church in North America today, many people in the church are just going through the motions of casual Christianity. I believe there are many well, listen to me, well-intentioned Christians who are distracted by things that at the end of the day really don't matter. And instead of being compelled by the unconditional love of Jesus Christ, you may find yourself instead to be a Christian consumer Chasing after, listen to me, empty idols that resemble Jesus, but they're not Jesus Christ at all. So then you have to ask this question. Why has this happened? Why has this happened? Why is it that there are so many people who are deceived? Why is it that there are so many people, I propose, chasing after empty idols? And I want to share two things. I believe this with all of my heart. Number one. I believe that we don't really understand the power of the gospel. It's not a part of our daily life. And number two, I believe we don't really know our true identity in Jesus Christ. Thus, the handout that I want you to keep and I want you to look over. And I only have time to go over a little bit of it with you today. Do you know your identity in Jesus Christ? And so here's what I believe about this little resource I've given you. I put one in every other seat. When you realize who you really are in Jesus Christ, it's only then that you begin to better understand and cherish 
the powerful, life-changing gospel. And so here's what I want to do with the rest of the time we have this morning together. I want you to look at the handout. And, and I think this, you know, sometimes my wife does this big time. She'll take something and she'll fold it in half and she'll put it in her Bible and then she will look back at that weeks later, months later, sometimes years later because there are so many promises on this one sheet of paper I've given you today. Now, What's, what's the deal? Here, here's really, listen to me, church. Here's the way I want you to look at this as I walk through just a few of these today. As you look at these scriptures with me, if you find yourself living completely opposite of what the Bible says about who you are in Jesus Christ, I would say those are the verses you need to identify. Perhaps you want to begin to memorize and you will begin to realize, okay, I'm trying to live my life in a way that is completely opposite of what Jesus says about who I am in and through His Son, Christ. So you see, I've broken it down into three sections. Number one, who I am in Christ, you need to know this, I am accepted. Let's just say it together, say it with me, I'm accepted on the count of three. One, two, three. I'm accepted. Let me show you how this works. The first verse I've given you. Every single verse, I didn't have room to put all the verses on the paper, so you'll see the reference, John 1, 12, and then the very next sentence after that is a, is a summary of what the verse says. On some of them, I've given you the entire verse. John 1.12 tells us, I am God's child. Look at the verse. But as many as received him, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become, look at this, children of God. Who? To all of those who believe in his name. How does this work? For some of you in this room, to this day, you would say, Kent, I've grown up pretty much in a toxic family. And I don't know if it was your mom or your dad or perhaps both of them. And when you begin to think about your relationship with your mother or your father, that makes you the child, it's just messed up. And so that impacts you every single day of your life. And you don't like to talk about being their child, and therefore that carries over into your faith, and you don't want to think about this. But God's Word promises, listen to me, you've been accepted. You are a child of God. You're a child of God. Look at the second verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. You want to know what it means to be accepted? It also means that you've been justified. Now, that's one of those church words. Listen up. What does that mean? Because we can't know who we are in Christ if we don't even know what the word justified means. Look at what the Bible says. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, okay, Kent, that sounds good. That's a good Bible verse. Yeah. But think with me. Here's what this means. When you place your faith in what was accomplished at Calvary. I have faith, Lord, that you sent your son Jesus Christ to go to the cross. When you have that kind of faith, it means you've been justified. Let's talk about what this means. Justified means that you have been made right with God. Think about this. You've been made right with God. Here's what that means. All of your sin... All of it is wiped away. It's completely gone. 
In legal terms, maybe this will help you get it. In legal terms, it's as if you've been acquitted. Case closed, court dismissed. In and through Jesus Christ, you are made righteous. So when you begin to realize, I've been accepted. I've been accepted by Jesus Christ. And when you begin to realize you've been justified, here's the hard part, listen to me, friends. When you realize all this and who you are in Christ, you can no longer live your life saying things like this. Man, I'm just a sinner. Man, I just, I just keep messing up every single day. No. If you live with that mindset, you are rejecting the promise of who the Bible says you are in Jesus Christ. Do you see what I'm talking about? A third example. How else am I accepted? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. The summary of this verse is, I have been bought with a price and I belong to God. Look at what the text says in the New Testament. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so this verse tells us exactly how we are accepted by Christ. How? So much so that he says our body is a temple. It is his temple. His Holy Spirit living inside of the Christian believer. It's never been about you. We live such self-centered lives, but God's Word says it's not about you. It's not about your preferences. It's not about your self-centered ways. Why? Because you were bought at a price. What was the price? Oh, just Almighty God sending His perfect, sinless Son, Jesus, on our behalf to go to the cross? I'm accepted. I'm accepted. And I've given you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more verses for you to realize what the Bible says about how you are accepted in and through Jesus Christ. Look at the next, look at the next category. Not only am I accepted, but I am secure. Who am I in Jesus Christ? The Bible says I am secure in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Hmm. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Maybe you're here today and you, you struggle with insecurity. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, I feel as if I've been shamed. I feel like I've been beaten down by the criticism of other people. Why should you know that you're secure? Because of Romans 8, 1 and 2. Because the Bible says in Christ you are free from condemnation. It's Jesus that sets you free. Look at Romans 8.28. We love to quote this verse. Can we apply it? 
I'm assured that God works for my good in all circumstances. What is the Bible? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So what if? What if, what if your circumstances don't seem to make sense right now? It doesn't make sense. We look at this text and we realize that even when it doesn't make sense, God is still at work for the good. What if? What if it's almost impossible for us to understand why we're experiencing disappointment and pain in our life? But we look at Romans 8. God is still at work for the good. Do you know God is working for the good even when you and I cannot see it playing out? He is. He's working always for the good of those who love Him. What does this mean? Well, if you tend to be living life daily in self-pity, in frustration and disappointment... I don't really know that you know who you are in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. I'm not sure if I've talked to many of you about my grandma Wells. My grandma Wells uh, lived to be about 93 years old. She died a long time ago. I don't think I ever met someone who worried as much as she did. She made up things to worry about. In the latter part of her life, she moved in uh, with my mom. My dad had already passed away. And so there was the season when I was finishing. I was still in college, you know, dating Shauna. I mean, the simplest thing. I would take off my... She would watch me. She'd be sitting in the living room. She'd watch me take off my watch. Set it down on a table. 30 seconds later, Kent, do you know where your watch is? You're going to lose that watch. You better watch, watch out where your watch is. Hey, watch out where you're, okay. She worried all the time. I don't know that she understood the truth of who she was in Jesus Christ. Because if you choose to worry more than you choose to trust God... You're missing out on the security of Jesus Christ living in you. Maybe some of you need to memorize just that verse today. Or one, two, three, four, five, six, six others. And then this third category. I'm secure in Christ. What else am I? I am significant. John 15, 5, probably one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Where Jesus says to us, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man will remain in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But if you try to do this on your own, apart from me, you can do nothing. Who are you in Christ? Who are you in Christ? Are you significant? Oh, yeah. Because the promise from Jesus is that you will be able to bear much fruit. What about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10? How significant are you? Oh, you're just his workmanship. You're just his masterpiece. No biggie. Look, look at this text. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. So I have to ask, do you really realize what this means about who you are? Listen to me. Listen to me. You're a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. So when you get into this routine of not liking yourself, when you look in the mirror and you don't like the way it looks, when you say things to yourself as if you believe that you're really not the person you're supposed to be, man, this is hard. It's as if you are saying to God, dude, you messed up. When we have that mindset, it's like we're saying to God, God, you really messed up on me. No. Do you know who you are in Christ Jesus? In Christ, friends, you're accepted, you're secure, significant. That baseball player I referenced that I really looked up to as a teenager, Todd Demeter. Yes, he was obviously talented. You don't graduate high school and and get drafted by the Yankees organization unless you're good. But listen to me. Way more of what I saw in Todd Demeter was his relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a freshman in high school who was just trying to figure out how to survive and how to fit in with older teenagers, I desperately needed some dudes like that in my life to look up to. Todd knew who he was in Jesus Christ. He knew who he was, listen to me, all the way to his death at the age of 35 years old. I'm going to read you part of his obituary. Todd's dad is a guy named Don Demeter. Don, his father, was a major league baseball player. He played on the, back in the day, the Brooklyn Dodgers, which became the L.A. Dodgers. He played for the Baltimore Orioles, had quite a career as a Major League Baseball player. Incredible Christian man. He's still alive, lives in Oklahoma City. He's in his late 80s. But listen to what his dad had to say as I read some of this obituary. Don Demeter figures it was a blessing to have a child like his son Todd, even if you only have him for 35 years. Todd Demeter, a former Oklahoma City baseball phenom, died early Thursday at his Norman home after a six-year battle with Hodgkin's disease. Having kids as perfect as we did is more than you can ask for, regardless of how long you have them, said Don Demeter, who played in the major leagues for 11 seasons. His dad said, that's what we're thankful for. We're very grateful and very blessed. Services are scheduled for 10 a.m. Saturday at the First Southern Baptist Church in Dell City. 
Todd Demeter is survived by his wife, five children, ages 11, 9, 7, 6, and 4. His parents, Don and Betty of Oklahoma City, a brother Russ of Oklahoma City, and a sister Jill of Norman. Demeter attended U.S. Grant High School and was the 1977 Big All-City Player of the Year along with his brother. In 1979, Todd was the State Player of the Year and the New York Yankees' first selection in the amateur draft. Demeter played six years of minor league baseball, but he never rose above double-A. He retired from baseball and worked in his father's business before obtaining an education degree from the University of Oklahoma. He had begun teaching in Blanchard, Oklahoma in 1995 when the cancer returned. Demeter's death came on the one-year anniversary of his entering Oklahoma Memorial Hospital for a bone marrow transplant with his brother as the donor. I don't understand. But what I know is this. Both Don Demeter and Todd Demeter and Jill, who was closer in age to me, all of them knew who they were in Jesus Christ. And in that, that entire family found incredible peace and hope, and joy, even in the midst of a trial that none of us desire to face. If we continue to walk through life winging it, trying to figure this out on our own, we'll find disappointment. We'll be frustrated, we'll be discouraged, and we'll go to bed at night burying our head in the pillow, some of us crying tears that we don't want anybody else to hear. Listen to me. We serve a real risen Savior. Makes me think of that old hymn. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Do you know Him? Do you know, if you're a believer, who you are in Jesus Christ and what He says, the promises He gives you, and are you living life in that reality? You either are or you aren't. And so church, this silly little printout that's not very pretty, I want you to spend some time this week reading these Bible verses about what God's Word says as to who you are in Jesus Christ. And whether you live to be 35 years old or 55 years old or 95 years old, man, let the glory of your life shine for His glory. That's what we're called to. We're on this journey together to love God, to love people, to prove it. It's hard. There are ups. There are downs. I'm tired of setting up chairs in this gym. But God is faithful. And I believe in His perfect open doors, and we're all going to be blown away. Bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, it's hard, Lord, when... uh, when we read the truth of your word and when we truly examine how we live and and how we're believing, God, oftentimes we realize we fall short. And God, some of our actions and the things we say often are polar opposite of 
who you say we are in and through your Son, Jesus Christ. Oh God, forgive us of that. God, I think when we're confronted with this, it means that we have an opportunity to to have a change of heart, to repent, to turn away from living one way, and and God, to follow you and what you say about who we are instead. But God, this is just Sunday morning. Will this stick? Will we think about this beyond 3 o'clock this afternoon? Will it carry over into Monday? What about Tuesday? What about Wednesday? God, the reality is we come to this place and we need you to encourage us, to prepare us. God, for us to be reminded of what it means to be equipped. God, in my mind, Sunday, this is just kind of like the huddle. We're coming together. But God, if we break the huddle today and never live out our faith, why are we even doing this? So God, show us what you want to show us. Change us where you want to change us. And God, may you receive all the glory as you deserve. God, I thank you for people like Don and Betty Demeter who raised kids like they raised. God, what a family heritage. God, let us be the kind of people that have such strong testimonies that like 30 years later, we still share witness of how somebody, God, was used for your glory to motivate us and to encourage us. But more than people, Lord, we know that that only begins when we see you and your son. So show us what you need to, God. Teach us this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.